Welcome back to the In the Dugout podcast. My name is Jason Ward. Once again, alongside Joey Nagel and Will McNamara. How we doing? Spring training is fully underway. Uh, how we feeling about the baseball team in Boston? Well, baseball's back. Can't lie, I'm I'm feeling pretty good now that now that baseball's being played again. I feel like I'm not whining as much about the Sox, even though there are reasons to, but. You know, it's that early spring, just happy to be here, honeymoon phase. So we'll see. I'm glad you said that because that's exactly how I feel too. Happy to be here. Happy that baseball is happening. Happy that I'm watching guys in red uniforms out there on the TV. I don't really care <laughs> um, what happened this offseason when I'm watching them. Obviously, it'd be it'd be cool. It'd be fun if we had Jordan Montgomery and added a little bit more. But to be honest... Maybe this is totally just biased because I'm just happy that we're playing baseball, but I'm kind of liking the team. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of liking the team and are they going to win the world series? Like I wouldn't go that far at all. No, but I, I like the energy more than I thought I would when, when spring training first started, like the right at the beginning before games were even being played. And we, like we talked about last episode, getting those quotes from Breslow and Cora where it was just bad vibes. It was Corey like, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to be here after this year. Let's just see what happens kind of thing. And you had Kenley Jansen calling out the Red Sox, Dust Majoria calling out the Red Sox, Raphael Devers, David Ortiz, Kyle Van Noy, Xander Bogarts, who's not even on the Red Sox anymore. All these people calling out the Red Sox. You know it's bad when you have someone just totally unrelated like Kyle Van Noy tweeting out, like, what the hell are the Red Sox doing out there? Like, it, it's crossing past baseball into just – the sports world now, how dumb Red Sox ownership has been. But regardless of all that, I feel like the vibes have turned around a little bit just because I think, I don't know if it's because of the Netflix documentary or what, but I feel like we've had more mic'd up um, things out on Red Sox Twitter, on Red Sox YouTube. And so you're getting to see some of the personality of these players. And I, I like the energy. I like the chemistry. I think you have some very fun guys who are getting along great. Tyler O'Neill was asked about if he's met Jaron Duran in the weight room. And he's like, yeah, it's really fun to have that competition and two jacked weightlifting guys there. And I, I just, I like how the team is coming together just from a, a chemistry standpoint. Obviously they're not the best team in the league, but I, I like what we have out there for the most part. Yeah, absolutely. The mic'd up videos have been a lot of fun on, on YouTube and Pablo uh, Reyes trying to learn, um, like Mandarin or Chinese or whatever it is, while also trying to speak English because he's not even fluent in that. Hilarious. Talking to Yoshida. I do, I, do, I do love the vibes, though, based off of those mic'd up things. They, they, seem to, they, seem, they seem to get along a lot better than I thought they would. It seems like, at least right now, that the, the, the bad vibes aren't being passed on to them. I mean, obviously, once the season starts and once that gets going, it definitely could, but... It, it, it's refreshing to see people in Red Sox uniforms happy. I feel like we haven't seen much of that recently. Yeah, and I think one of the things that we were worried about going into this after losing Justin Turner, who was a huge part of the leadership of this team, and frankly, even Kike Hernandez, when, when the season started last year, Kike was a key part of the Red Sox identity and um, leadership. Like He's the one that recruited Justin Turner to come there. And you had Kenley Jansen, Chris Martin, like these former Dodgers players that Kenley, that Kike Hernandez was able to connect with. And he was able to be a leader. Obviously, it didn't really work out that well from the baseball standpoint. But still, you had those leaders who then left. Chris Sale, another leader who left. So one thing that I was worried about going into spring training, going into 2024, was who's going to be the leader? Who's going to step up? Who's going to energize the clubhouse? So far, it looks like Trevor Story is that guy. Uh, we all know how this offseason he had that defensive clinic, that camp where he had some of the younger guys. Tristan Casas was in there too. And he was just kind of showing them the ropes, teaching them what he's learned in his several years in the majors, uh, stuff that he got from Troy Tulowitzki. And they had a, a little thing on that on Nesson the other day, and I was watching that. And I was impressed by how Trevor Story was taking on that role of being a leader for these younger guys like Vaughn Grissom, Nick York, uh, again, Tristan Casas and being a role model type figure on a team that needed that with the, those figures leaving in Justin Turner, Kiki Hernandez and Chris Sale. So that's great to see that you have a, a leader like that. And 
in spring training today, they had John Lester there. David Ortiz has been there. Pedro has been there. They have these big icons in Red Sox history there to help the young guys out. So that's one of the beauties of being the Boston Red Sox is you have living legends like that who can come be down there and provide their expertise, provide their opinion. It's just, I, I, like I said, I like how it's coming together and I like how the roles are starting to kind of be more clear. Like you have Trevor story as that leader type role and you have some of the younger guys kind of coming into their own Raphael Devers. I think not like he needed to, but he's still establishing himself as the face of this franchise. Spring training doesn't matter, but he's had a great spring training starting to use the opposite field outstanding like he's one part of his game is being stepped forward in that way that's great to see that's what progression is all about as a player tries to become the best player that they can be so all across the diamond in terms of positions in terms of roles and personalities and chemistry uh i I feel very optimistic about what's being put together yeah i couldn't have said it better myself um but looking back on the the whole Trevor Story thing in the offseason, the fielding clinic, it is really cool to see that, you know, seeing uh, a mix of big leaguers and minor leaguers showing up to that. Like, I thought it was really cool that Casas made the point that he should be there to set an example for those young guys. And, um, you know, it was cool to see them playing basketball, playing football, just having fun, being just guys being dudes out there. And, um there's clearly something building, and I I think it is really special that Trevor Story is taking it upon himself to be more of a leader of this team. And, you know, now that he has a healthy offseason, he didn't need to worry about rehabbing anything. He's definitely positioning himself to have a much better uh, much better season in general, but also a just the back half of this contract to be a lot more productive than the front half. And that's something that we need if if they're going to win. And, um, you know, off to a good start off the field. And, you know, from the little we've seen of him this spring, too, he looks pretty good, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, One thing that you said, how it feels like there's something building here, regardless of how this season turns out, the Red Sox, as we all know, plenty from this offseason are focused on the future. I am very optimistic about the future. I, I know it's spring training small sample size doesn't mean a whole lot but seeing these young guys that we've heard talked about so much roman anthony kyle teal uh nick york i don't think meyer's done anything yet but seeing those young guys out there roman anthony kid's 19 he's younger than all of us and he's playing like a big leaguer already that's so uh encouraging and awesome to see especially with all the talk and hype that we've had around him And knowing that we have guys like Brian Bayo, who is hopefully going to take another step forward this year, guys like Tristan Casas, who's plenty young, all these young pieces that they kept pushing, shoving down our throats, like this is what our future is, these young guys, it's cool to see them out there playing too. And maybe this season won't work out as we kind of expect it won't. But regardless of that, I'm very excited for the future. Too. As long as at some point John Henry finally decides to invest in this team. Because if you have all these young guys in the majors and you're not supporting them still, that's when we're going to have an even bigger problem. But for the time being, um, I'm optimistic with those guys. But let's let's talk right now about what we have going into this season because that's that's what's at hand here. There has been a lot of rumors floating around. Jordan Montgomery is the guy. Red Sox fans, that's the only name we're focused on. There's no other free agents we really care about at this point. Like, I don't even think Adam Duvall is a, a realistic target anymore because our outfield's pretty set. The DH spot has been given to Yoshida. So the, the starting rotation is the only focus. And Jordan Montgomery, I think, is the only fit, the only guy that I could see them bringing in. Um, and obviously would be an outstanding addition. There's a reason why Red Sox Nation has wanted him so badly this whole offseason. So, like I said, rumors been floating around. There's been some stuff here from uh, MLB, like journalists saying that the Red Sox are the clear favorite to sign him. But then you have Catillo and Sean McAdams saying that they doubt that he's going to sign with the Red Sox. They're waiting on him to be desperate enough to take a pillow deal where it's like a short-term deal, a low-money deal where he can just kind of 
basically they want him to get desperate enough where he's like, I want to play baseball with the team this year and gets desperate to come down to the Red Sox, cheap poverty numbers. I don't even care if that's what happens because whatever gets him here, I'm happy with. But disregard all the different reports. I just don't think that Jordan Montgomery is coming here because it's not up to Craig Breslow. It's not up to Alex Cora, Sam Kennedy, Red Sox fans. It's up to one guy, and that's John Henry. At the end of the day, he has to dish out the money for this contract, has to approve it. He has to be like, all right, bring me Jordan Montgomery. He has to believe that this Red Sox team is close enough to competing where one guy would be enough to push them over an edge to make it worth it, or that he can help them in the future. Whatever it is, John Henry is the one that needs to be convinced and the one that needs to approve it, and that's what I don't have faith in. I I have plenty of faith in Craig Breslow and everyone else in the organization. John Henry is the one that I'm worried about, and that's why I don't think it's going to happen. There's been so much talk about Jordan Montgomery, like literally every single day. It feels like he's on the team to me. It does. When when he doesn't sign here, it's going to really suck. But I like me personally, I would be very disappointed if it is a pillow contract. And I know that that's the most likely outcome at this point, but it really doesn't do anything. A pillow contract to me, like if you give him a Giolito deal where it sets him up that he will leave at the end of the season, I don't think that does much for me because while we can see this team, like, you know, staying in it, staying competitive, especially with Montgomery, he might not be the piece to bring them to the playoffs but he's one of those guys, he's one of those supplemental guys that over time will build you into a championship team. Like I heard the example brought up yesterday of John Lester when he signed with the Cubs in 2015. They were obviously a year away, but they but they were entering the period where the young guys were coming up and they're close to being competitive, but not quite there. So you sign a guy for multiple years so because you know that you're close. And once you get there, He's going to be so helpful. And that's that's how free agency should work. You pick and choose a couple of pieces each offseason that over time will build towards a competitive team. And so any pillow contract for Montgomery really doesn't do it for me. Like, I, I don't get me wrong. I'd love to have him here because it'll make watching this season a heck of a lot better. But, you know, if it's not at least two guaranteed years, that we know he's going to be here, then it's it doesn't really do a whole lot for me. I definitely agree with that. I mean, I'm just in the mindset of anything's better than nothing in this point. So if we get him for one year, like you said, it'd make the games easier to watch. It'd, it'd be better for this season. But you're right. Like the correct deal is a longer term deal where he can help mentor some of the younger players and have some stability at the top of that rotation. Because you like even last year, Chris Sale going through his injury troubles. Brian Bayo was kind of expected to step up as that ace. That's a lot of pressure for a young guy. So having a reliable workhorse at the top of that rotation like Jordan Montgomery, that makes that takes a lot of pressure off everyone else in the organization, not just in the rotation, but in, in the bullpen, even in the starting lineup when they know that they have their, their dog out there who's going to eat innings. It does wonders for an organization. And... People people keep saying, like, I think we're overhyping Jordan Montgomery a little bit. Like, he's he's not as good as we're making out to seem. Maybe that's true. It probably is true because it's not like he's, like, a, a superstar ace. He's a very good pitcher. But what the value that he has, I think, primarily, is he eats innings. He's reliable. And similar to Giolito. So if you have those two guys, one and two, in that rotation, eating innings, getting you through six innings, game in and game, game out, that's awesome. That's huge for you. And like I said, takes pressure off the young guys, takes pressure off everyone. That's why like we we've known this from day one, that Jordan Montgomery is a perfect fit for Boston in every way. Like we, like you said, Joey, it feels like he's on the team with how much everyone associates him with the Red Sox. There's no other fit out of the other 29 teams. There's no other fit better than the Boston Red Sox, which that's, I think why we're talked about as the clear favorites because no one, is a better fit for Jordan Montgomery than Boston. But regardless of the fit, again, it comes down to John Henry. So we can be the perfect fit, but it can still not happen. I don't think it's going to happen. So when he signs with the Cubs or the Giants or the Phillies or whoever else, it's going to make this offseason even more disappointing because I think that most Red Sox fans still 100% think that he's coming here. 
And a lot of people talk about it like he is. They're like, oh, it's just a matter of time before he gets desperate enough and comes to Boston. I don't have any reason to believe that's true. And the reports from Cotillo and McAdam and these Red Sox journalists who are in the inside, like they are insiders for a reason. They know what's going on. They're getting told stuff. And if they don't think that uh, Montgomery's coming here, I don't have any reason to doubt them. Like, I, I agree. I don't think that he's coming here. But I'm going to remain hopeful. Like, that's that's the, the realist side of me. The fan inside of me is waiting for the notification every day. Like, I'm like, when is that Jeff Passan tweet going to hit where it's like Jordan Montgomery and the Boston Red Sox are in agreement on a two-year deal? Whatever it is, I'm waiting for that. I thought it's going to come during this episode. Like, that's that's the fan of me wanting it to happen. But I just I just don't think it is. It's kind of sad that that's the state of our team now. Yeah. Katio dropped his news. Yeah, it's uh, hey. it's a roster projection. If we want to run through that real quick, he was acting like he was telling us that big. Poppy's well, coming I mean, out of there is some interesting stuff in here. Well, first off, um, yeah, I'll give you like the spark notes on it. So he has Tanner Houck in the rotation over Whitlock slash Winkowski. Um. Yeah, I. So this is as if Jordan Montgomery doesn't sign, right? This this yes. is Montgomery yeah. doesn't sign. So, but this is this is the thing. If Montgomery does sign and you kick out to the bullpen, not only does the rotation get better, the bullpen, which is already really good, becomes like probably on paper a top three bullpen in MLB. A deal that makes multiple parts of your team better. Sounds pretty good to me. Yeah. So he's got Bayo, Giolito, Crawford, Pavetta, Hauk in the rotation. And then out in the bullpen, he's got Kenley Jansen, Chris Martin, Garrett Whitlock, Josh Winkowski, Bernardino, Isaiah Campbell, Justin Slayton, and Zach Kelly. So not really anything surprising there. He That's a good know. bullpen, too. It's a very good bullpen. That is a good bullpen. Campbell's look good early, so is Slayton. And also... Um, that Zach Kelly injury last year, very low key threw everything off because he was a very good, like six, fifth, six inning guy. Yeah. Get a couple innings and just, you know, bridge you to the, the big dogs. Um, but he notes here that Brian Mata is once again injured. Mm -hmm. Uh, he pulled his hamstring. So he's going to most likely start the season on the injured list, which is honestly a good thing for the Sox. Because I think we mentioned last pod, or I don't know if we did, but I don't think Mata so. has to make the opening day roster because he's out of options. But this injury can kind of kick the can down the road a little bit. Justin Slayton also has to make the roster because he's a Rule 5 guy. So mm -hmm. they, they have kind of been the two competing for a spot there. Uh, obviously, Slayton is healthy and Mata is not. Slayton also has been pretty good in the spring so far. So I think that's less of a battle now and more towards uh, Slayton. Uh, what else you got, though, on the projection? Uh, something kind of interesting here. Uh, they have Greg Weissert starting the year down in AAA. I, I found that to be a little surprising. Obviously, he was one of the big, maybe not the, he, he was probably the second biggest name in the return for Alex Verdugo. And he's like a pitching ninja celebrity. He's so nasty. Um, I could definitely see him making the opening day roster he'll definitely be up at some point but i actually like what he has to offer i like his pitch mix his he, he i i believe he's a sweeper guy so he fits right into the breslow mold so maybe a couple couple weeks down at AAA can make him that much better but i see him with like setup man upside he's that nasty i agree and then another thing is only one lefty in the bullpen i was thinking maybe chris murphy but I think he's oh. another guy that we'll see probably over the summer. Cause I also really, I'm very high on Chris Murphy. I love his stuff. I thought he looked good last year and um, he went to driveline this off season. So I feel like that's like the, that's like the, the magic or what's it called? Michael's special stuff, you know, from Looney Tunes. <laughs> yeah. That's like driveline is like that for pitchers. So we'll see, but it, it's so nice because, like, back back in the day, remember when we had no options for the bullpen? Oh, back in the day I? being like two years ago. Back, having, yeah, back in the day. Ryan was... Brazier and Matt Barnes every single night. It was yeah. insanity. Caleb Ort 
Colton Brewer. Colton Brewer. Yeah, and then catchers, Wong and McGuire, nothing surprising there. Well, uh, actually, he, hold on. I don't I don't really think McGuire is going to make the team. I, I kind of like Tyler Heineman more, and I like Roberto Perez potentially. Because uh, Reese McGuire, he's not really a defensive guy. He's not the best defender. We saw his base running last year. That speaks for itself. Dude can hit for sure, um, contact-wise. But you, you got Connor Wong. He's going to be the, the everyday guy for the most part. I would rather have a veteran on the bench, a defensive specialist on the bench, and that's what Roberto Perez is. Great defender, veteran. I think he's in his mid-30s. He's been around the league for sure. He's been, I think he's been an all-star. When he was with Cleveland, he was pretty good for a little bit. Um, and Tyler Heineman, just a defensive wizard back there. I'd be, I'd be happy having him as a backup catcher too. Reese McGuire just doesn't really do much for me. Like, I think it's fun when he comes in and just gets a single every single game. Like that's a great bet over under half a hit for McGuire. It's going to hit every time if you do over, because all he does is get singles. But yeah, as a, as a bench catcher, I want a defensive guy, a veteran, a leader, whatever it is back there. Um, so that's, that's interesting to me that he picked McGuire over the other two, but to start out the year, I don't really see anything wrong with that. It could be something that progresses over time, changes, because those guys are going to be in the minors anyways. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to say. Like The good thing is that they're, they're both on minor league deals, so you can basically call them up whenever. So, like, you know, if Reese McGuire, he is the king of just slapping singles the other way and up the middle. <laughs> yep. But, you know, if he's not doing that early in the season, I feel like he's a guy who's going to be on a short leash especially with Kyle Teal, who could possibly surge all the way up to the majors this year. You know, all you really need is Connor Wong and a, a good defender like Perez who can spell him, you know, once or twice a week. That's all you yeah. really need. So plus catching I, depth with a, with a catching depth with a major problem last year when McGuire went down, they Caleb Hamilton was up and they, they were just struggling in terms of catching depth. They just didn't have any. So I love that they added catching depth this, this off season. So it's it's a good problem to have when you have multiple options for your backup catcher there. Yeah. All right. Uh, now infield. So Casas, Grissom, Story, Devers. That's whatever. I think that's very set, and I I like that. That's that set. Like, there's no question of who's going to be playing where and who's going to get the starting job. That's set. They can settle into their roles, get comfortable with each other. In Trevor Story's camp, Vaughn Grissom was learning from Trevor Story what he likes and what he doesn't like, so they can be a great. Uh, tandem up there in the middle of the infield so I love that that's set and there's no question in their minds who's going to be playing where yep and then so the two bench guys on the infield is Pablo Reyes and Bobby Dahlbeck and then he has for Dahlbeck in parentheses for now um Bobby Dahlbeck's going nowhere that guy he's either going to play for the Red Sox or he's going to wait out in the minors until he can play for the Red Sox I don't really know he had some comments Last week, he was like, why am I still here? I don't know why I'm still here. I think here. that's the common. Lou Merloni, uh, in the first game of spring training, one of the first, he was talking about Dahlbeck, and he's like, I think that Bobby Dahlbeck is surprised he's still here, and the Red Sox are surprised he's still here, because I don't know why he's still here. That dude deserves a shot somewhere to be playing, but sure enough, here he is. And honestly, I think that he can be a valuable player for us off the bench, play a utility role, hit some bombs, have some solid defense with a good arm. I, I love me some Bobby Dahlbeck. I think that this is the year of Bobby Dahlbeck. It's now or never. It was funny watching uh, when we played the Nationals the other day. They only had the Nationals broadcast, and I was watching that, and it was interesting seeing an outside team talking about Bobby Dahlbeck because he came up to the plate, and like the, the analyst was saying how, here's Bobby Dahlbeck, probably the most rec recognizable name in this Red Sox lineup. He's got a lot of pop. He had 20-whatever homers with the Red Sox in 2021. 33 in AAA last year, and they're talking about him like a major power threat. And it was just interesting to see how another team kind of views Bobby Dahlbeck. And they're not wrong. Dude's got pop. Yeah. Let him and pop it's funny you bring that up. So th this is honestly the, the juiciest part of the story. Give me the juice. Um, so he says Dahlbeck still projects to make the team as a corner infield backup who can even mix in in the outfield. But according to industry sources, the Red Sox continue to aggressively monitor the market for low-cost free agents who could challenge Dahlbeck for his roster spot. No, they're not. That's hold on. It's a, it says 
It says they were in on both Gio Urshela and Garrett Cooper before they signed with other teams, and they remain in the bidding for others. Exact targets are unclear, but CJ Crone, Darren Ruff, Donovan Solano, and Adam Duvall are among the potential no. options. No. No. First of all, no. CJ Crone's not a bench guy. I feel like he's a pretty solid. Yeah, I don't know. CJ Crone is kind of bad now, but whatever. Falling off. That, that, what, what do you mean that they're still in on some of these guys? The report that the same dude, Chris Cotillo, said a few days ago, agents are still complaining about the Red Sox being tight with money. The quote being, I've never seen them this hamstrung and haggling over non-roster invite numbers. So the exact thing you're talking about, non-roster invites, veteran guys, they, they just keep haggling over the numbers and being super cheap. So I think that's wild to say that they're in on these guys. Gio Urshela went to the Tigers. Garrett Cooper went uh, to the Cubs. You missed out on those guys. Garrett Cooper would have been cool. First baseman, hits lefties really well. That's the guy that I would have wanted. But they're haggling over the numbers of these tiny little deals. Like, we're not even probably talking millions at this point. We're probably talking 700K, 900K, maybe 1.3 million max. But the, very, the difference between those numbers you're still in the thousands, hundreds of thousands. Like the fact that they're haggling over those non-roster invites, absurd. But that just speaks to the the cheapness of the Red Sox right now. Yeah, um, but I think I think the most interesting thing that I get out of this is that if it comes down to Bobby Dahlbeck versus Adam Duvall, which one would you want? Because it's an interesting thing because Duvall is probably like, I forget the exact number on what Dahlbeck is making, but Duval would probably be making three times that, which sounds like a lot, but it isn't really. It's like, you know, five million as opposed to like one point two. But um yeah. Give me I, mean, I I love Adam Duval. And I kind of love Bobby Dahlbeck too. Give me Dahlbeck. Like, I feel like Duval's probably better for from a leadership perspective and the logical choice is Adam Duvall. It is. But give me Bobby Dahlbeck. <laughs> He's younger, and I just but want to I, give him a shot. I I agree, but I think like I really have a hard time believing that Dahlbeck is going to be here at the end of spring. And I know I've said that last year, and probably even the year before. But I just have a hard time believing that they're not going to just satisfy him and trade him to a place where he can play more. Because if it's here, he's really not going to play a whole lot. Yeah, but like you said, we've said that the past two, three years. Like, that's been a constant thing. They got to trade him. Like, he's not going to want to stay here. They got to just give him an opportunity. But it hasn't happened. If they haven't traded him yet, it's hard for me to believe they're going to in the next couple weeks. Like, I, I Adam Duvall, I feel like, or anyone of his caliber, you sign him and you feel a little more obligated to give him playing time because he's a veteran guy. He's a good player. So then are you taking at-bats away from Duran? Abreu, O'Neal, Yoshida, like I feel like that outfield is pretty solid the way it is, and they have a pretty good idea of what they want to do. We talked about how Tyler O'Neill is basically just the new Adam Duvall with more speed and like triple the size biceps. And Bobby Dahlbeck, on the other hand, I feel like, yeah, you've treated him pretty poorly in terms of not giving him playing time. But I don't think you feel as obligated to force him into the lineup and take at bats away from other guys. It's more of a utility platoon where it's like, okay, this guy needs a day off, Bobby Dahlbeck. Or we have an injury and there's a gap at third base or first base or right field, Bobby Dahlbeck. And he plays more of a gap filling role versus a veteran that you got to work into the lineup. That's why I say Bobby Dahlbeck over Adam Duvall are similar, just for that reason. Um, I also think that. I would say Bobby Dahlbeck is more of the positions that we would need on the bench. Like we don't really need another outfielder on the bench. You got Rob Ref Snyder, who people forget about out there. So you got Ref Snyder, Abreu, O'Neill, Duran, Yoshida still is capable of playing in the outfield. That's five right there. That doesn't count Rafaela. That'd be a sixth who he might get the center field job. That's a whole different thing. So you already have a good surplus of outfielders. You look at the infield, who's your backup for first base if it's not Bobby Dahlbeck? Pablo Reyes? I know he's been playing some first base because they want him to get him that experience, but he's not a traditional first baseman. Backup for third base, that's probably Pablo Reyes, but still, it's a little bit thinner there. You'd have to call up some younger guys 
That's why I think Bobby Dahlbeck, that, the guy you'd call up is Bobby Dahlbeck. If you have, if Rafael Devers goes on the injured list, if Tristan Casas goes on the injured list, if you need to give them days off, Bobby Dahlbeck is the next guy up in my mind. So might as well just have him on the roster ready to go. Yeah, well, you make a very good point, especially talking about the outfield, because I'll get to that next, because this is also something that's very interesting. And um, so he has five outfielders projected. He has Yoshida, Abreu, Duran, O'Neill, and Rafaela. And then he says that if Rafaela has a roster spot, Ref Snyder may not. It's hard to envision the Red Sox carrying six outfielders. Um, and Ref Snyder could be a candidate for either a trade or a DFA. So now I think that question is no longer Duval or Dahlbeck. I think it's Ref Snyder or Dahlbeck because Pablo Reyes is your backup for the infield. And you have, you know, you have a pretty crowded outfield. Um, especially if Rafaela does make the opening day roster. So would you rather have Rob Ref Snyder or Bobby Dahlbeck? Because I believe that's what the or it, it, I think the last spots on the roster are going to come down to you pick two of Bobby Dahlbeck, Pablo Reyes, and Rob Ref Snyder. What do I you mean, do Pablo Reyes is going to be there because you need someone who can play middle infield. Yeah. I. No disrespect to Cotillo, but that logic just doesn't make sense to me because if you're going to have Rafaela on the big league club, he's going to need to be starting more than he's not. You don't want him riding the bench. Same, I'd say, with Willie Abreu. With those young guys, you want them out there getting their reps starting, so you don't want them riding the bench. So say you have Abreu and Rafaela, you got to get Duran out there. So what are you going to do with Tyler O'Neill? I guess, yeah, Rob Refsnyder kind of doesn't make the cut. But also, Abreu is a lefty. Duran's a lefty. Rob Refsnyder, dude's a lefty killer. We saw that last season. Alex Cora loved him for a reason. It is a very – I think the outfield is the only real spot on the roster where there is – a roster crunch per se or or more of the the flexibility to have different guys there but i just yeah i i think it'd be cool to have rafael out in center field because he's a defensive like genius wizard whatever he's he's jackie bradley jr out there but when you look at the offense he's he's been good this spring training with getting walks and, and working at bats so that's that's a plus I don't really know what his splits are between righties and lefties, but well, I just I don't I don't see uh, is, I don't I don't see Rob Ref Snyder not making the team. Yeah, because he is such a, an important part to the culture too. Everyone loves Rob, and um, it is interesting to note though that Rafaela already has more walks this spring than he did last year, so he is showing a better plate approach. Which well, he had won all of last season, last spring training. I mean, I feel I, like I could go out there and get at least yeah, two. Yeah, it's true. But, <laughs> you know, if he continues to have a really hot spring, I think it's really hard to... I don't know. It's just really I, hard not to start him in the majors and give yeah, him... Yeah, no, I, I totally see that that uh, a path to Rafaela being the starter out there. Alex Cora said that if Rafaela makes the major league roster, he's a starting center fielder. So if he continues to play the way he has this spring training, then I would say that's the likely scenario. Yeah, Duran in left, Rafaela in center, and then a platoon of Abreu and O'Neill in right field. I definitely mm -hmm. see that. And yeah, I... To support my Bobby Dahlbeck point, though, when in that scenario, that's four outfielders right there with Yoshida still as a DH. So why do you want to bring in Adam Duvall to take away those at-bats? And right. I guess you can say that about Ref Snyder, too, which I think with that logic puts Bobby Dahlbeck at the top of that list of who's going to be the bench guy. I would rather have Rob Ref Snyder than Bobby Dahlbeck, if I'm being honest. Well, do we have room for both? What we have a catcher, Pablo Reyes, and then Ref Snyder and Dahlbeck. That's four bench guys, right? Am I forgetting someone? O'Neill. Yeah. That that'll do it. Yeah, so I think However, that's the however, that... the MLB did say that they're thinking about limiting teams to twelve pitchers instead of thirteen. I don't know how that affects things. Yeah, you could carry an extra. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Then then Bob would be he'd be Bob and Rob would be safe if that's the Bob case. Bob and Rob. 
but they wouldn't they wouldn't pass that now right so so yeah. I, I, the other, the only alternative that I'll throw out there for that is maybe Rafaela doesn't make the team then you do the math and then there is more of a clear spot for Rob Ref Snyder and Bobby Dahlbeck it's going to be one of those things I think that changes throughout the year like I, I don't necessarily think that it, they'll be just keep tossing them up and down between MLB and AAA but I do think that they could start out with Bobby Dahlbeck on the roster and then trade him in June I don't know or they could start out with Rafaela down in AAA bring him up to the majors and DFA Rob Ref Snyder like these are things that could change throughout the season I don't think who makes the team out of spring training defines what the whole year is going to be like at all like obviously that's not how baseball teams work but it's an interesting to mon- interesting thing to monitor this spring and kind of just think about is what is the ideal combination of guys in the outfield and guys on the bench and I mean if we trade Bobby Dahlbeck good for him give him some reps out there somewhere just able to play and I think he can be a good player I'm not giving up on Bobby Dahlbeck the dude won like triple a player of the year like the dude was the best player down there <laughs> he was the wonder of Worcester so if you give him a shot I think that he can do do something good for you he's got the glasses on so he can see the ball now so that helps big big Bobby Dahlbeck guy I just want him to give get a shot somewhere whether it's here or somewhere else he wasn't bad for us last year right in like the 15 games he played I think he was decent oh. I don't remember being mad at him so However, I also probably was not watching anymore at that point because of how the season was. He had 53 appearances, 28 strikeouts with a 204 average. Oh. So, yeah, not 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 entirely great. (laughs) No. That's not ideal. Not not, not the best. No. Yeah. But if you're talking about who's going to be the 26th man on the team, I definitely think that it does come down to, like you said, Rob Ref Snyder and Bobby Dahlbeck. Which one is it going to be? Pablo Reyes, I think he's a lock to make the team. Funny dude, too. And nothing glue beats glue guy, exactly. Nothing beats his walk-off bomb last year. That's peak. Him just standing there screaming. I love that. Uh, he reminds me a little bit of Eduardo Nunez. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I see. So it. I support that guy being on the team. But yeah, I, I like I said, I think the outfield is really the only spot where there's question marks. I think uh the rotation. It's not a question of who's going to be there from the minors. It's more of who's going to be there and not in the bullpen kind of thing between Hauk and Whitlock. By the way, spring training stats don't matter, but Whitlock did go, I think, three innings today with six Ks. Yeah, three innings, three hits, one run, zero walks, six Ks. Dang. That's he gave up zero runs in two innings. So maybe if you put him in the bullpen, he can do he can do some magic out there. Well, I am very happy that the Red Sox are are have changed their spring training strategy as it pertains to pitchers. Like back in the we've seen like they really shot themselves in the put, foot years past where they really take it slow with pitchers, but now at least what I've noticed this year is that they they've ramped them up a lot quicker than before. So they're ready to go opening day, which is nice. They're fully stretched out, they're throwing hard. That reminds me, I, I think we need to talk about Nick Pavetta for a second. This dude might be like clinically insane, but I love it. I love his energy. He was so ready for spring training that he was throwing on the backfields and he wanted to go into an early spring training game and throw like 40, 50, 60 pitches. Like he was just ready to go. Um, and they had to like slow him down. So I think that's it's a little scary because he might get himself hurt, but I love the energy. Whatever he figured out, I think he added a sweeper, I want to say, and that's been his like um, his key pitch. So mm-hmm. I'm excited for Nick Pavetta and see what he can do. I Yeah, you saw it last year when he – although the thing with, with Pavetta is now, like he was so good out of the bullpen. Remember when he started that one game and he ran in from the bullpen? Yeah, like is he going to be gonna doing that all year? I'm going to need to see that every time. I hope so. They, they should do – you know how like when a closer comes into the game, like they turn all the lights down, and they play like his like sick walkout song. Like I think of Ryan Helsley in uh in St. Louis, he comes out to Hell's Bells, and there's just like fire on like all the scoreboards. They should yeah. do that with Nick Pavetta every, but for like a start. It's like 7 p.m. and like the sun's still shining, and <laughs> in the summer, and they just turn all the lights off, 
and they start playing his walkout music and he goes out to throw six innings. <laughs> I love that. Whatever it, works. It's kind of crazy works. how Pavetta completely changed how his entire makeup as a pitcher in the middle of a season last year because yeah, he was I about remember, to get like released and he yeah. turned it around. And I remember this time last year, we were like, you know, Nick Pavetta, you know exactly what you're going to get with him. He's going to give you a four and a half ERA and eat some innings. You know, there's nothing wrong with it, but there, you know, you can't rely on him to be a difference maker in the rotation. And ever since he went to the bullpen last year, discovered the sweeper and just reinvented his pitch mix. He, he like, we actually can go back to banking on him having a breakout year. And I'm definitely really high on him. It's a contract year. You know, he seems to have figured things out. He's working with our new pitching gurus. I, It's hard not to be optimistic about Pavetta. You know, what does a great season out of him look like? An ERA around four, even a little under, but if he can give you bulk innings while doing that, that's fantastic. That means a whole lot to this rotation. Yeah, honestly, I think innings is the most important thing. You look at last year where we were struggling to put together two starters in the rotation, let alone three. If you can just have even four guys who can just eat innings out there in the fifth spot, maybe moves around a little bit. But if you have guys, if you have Nick Pavetta who just eats innings and Giolito who eats innings and Cutter Crawford who can eat innings with upside and you have those guys, Brian Bayo too. I forgot about Brian Bayo. I, I like that we have a consistent looking rotation. And I, I don't, one thing I just thought of just right now, what about depth though for the rotation? I feel like there isn't any. Like you don't really want to have Whitlock in the bullpen and have to pull him out to make starts. Same with Winkowski. So who is your depth in the starting rotation? Say that uh, Giolito, Bayo, Cutter, or Pavetta go down with an injury, or Pavetta, like last year, gets pushed to the bullpen because he hasn't been doing that well. Who jumps into the rotation then? They said it was going to be Cooper Chriswell. A dude who's currently a reliever. So again, it's pulling a yeah, guy but the, so from the bullpen. Their goal with him is to stretch him out, um, and and kind of turn him into a starter down in AAA. They see him as somebody who can, I guess, okay. make that jump and not lose anything. So that's we'll cool, see, but... and that could work. However, I will say that he hasn't been a starting pitcher at the big league level. So yeah, you don't know if that's going to work. Yeah, and that that's the question mark with this team in general, and. Like we said, they're trying to create this pitching pipeline, but that takes time. Yeah, and you know maybe Richard Fitz makes the makes the jump because he'll probably start out in AAA. So, you know, it doesn't take time signing depth. Just saying, yeah, Jordan Montgomery to that rotation. Bada boom, you have more depth in the rotation, depth in yeah. the bullpen, depth in the organization. Please, please just sign him. Please, that's all we're asking. Please. He's literally in Florida, like quick Uber trip, and he's there. Like he's ready to go. John Lester's literally in camp. Imagine John Lester talking to Jordan Monk. It's just do it, <laughs> just do it, please. Ah, oh. just like you should do it. Uh, going to SeatGeek, you should do that to get tickets. SeatGeek <laughs> is my favorite ticket provider out there. Uh, it's the only place I buy tickets, not only because they have fantastic deals, but they also provide me with tools to make sure I'm getting great tickets. They give me a grade for each ticket price so I know I'm getting the best value possible and not losing out on any deals. They show me the view from the seat so I can know what I'm getting ahead of time and not get stuck behind a big green pole. And you get the tickets right on your phone, making it all easy so you don't have to worry about paper being blown away walking into the park. And their wide selection of sports, concerts, shows, and more, SeatGeek knocks it out of the park when it comes to buying tickets. And what's better than saving money? Nothing, because you can get $20 off your first purchase with SeatGeek by using the promo code DUGOUT. D-U-G-O-U-T. Go down to the fort. Yeah. I wish I was at the fort. I miss going there. It was fun when I yeah, did that. Yeah, good times down there. Yeah, last time I did that, COVID happened. So Probably yeah, a lot warmer down in the fort, too. Yeah, it looks very nice. Put it, TC, that dude loves just rubbing in everyone's face. He's like, it's 85 degrees here. I feel bad for my friends back home. Like, yeah, we get it. It's nice there. And he's like, I love telling them how nice it is. I feel bad, whatever. Yeah, it's like, relax. okay, TC, your friends hate you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, 
Yeah, but go on down to Fort Myers, get some tickets to to Fenway because Fenway, big news, it's biggest news of the off season. Not even being sarcastic, ketchup is back. They got real Heinz ketchup in Fenway ketchup Park now. Is back. It's back. The ketchup is that's. I don't care about Jordan Montgomery. I don't care if we oh, go oh one hundred sixty two. The ketchup is back. No more veggie ketchup. No, what is what are they making those out of turnips? Was that what it was? Turnips and like radishes or whatever. It's gross. It's I have disgusting. No idea. I just tomatoes. Tomatoes only. Tomatoes and sugar. Whatever else is. I don't even know how you make ketchup. I've never made it, but we got real ketchup, which is huge. I literally stopped getting hot dogs at Red Sox games solely because the ketchup was disgusting. It's Same with like fries. And bullying stuff. works. Bullying does so work. Let's just let let. Hey fans, let's just keep well, bullying John Henry. Can we pull a Royals and start lobbying for our uh, the letters on the back of the jerseys to be normal size? I would love for that's yeah. Can Those we, jerseys are so that? stupid. They literally look like the when you buy like a youth jersey and it's like the the tiny letters. Yeah, terrible, it's terrible. It's, we can't have anything nice. Like I miss the old days where another, it was just majestic. Another gem from uh, from Red Sox photo day is. <laughs> The whole see-through pants situation. Oh, it's crazy. Yoshida's yeah. pants go down, or his jersey goes down to his knees. Since we yeah. can see through his pants, it's not weird. But uh, that, that that's a look. I saw that, and I was like, damn. You have your that's pants like back here. in the day when I was doing, like, youth baseball, and, like, I missed, like, the practice where they gave out jerseys, so I have to get whatever's left over, and they give me, like, the extra large one that goes down to my ankles. That's, like, what yeah, that reminds me of. Exactly. That's literally what it is. I yeah. thought of the same thing. It's when you miss jersey handout <laughs> in Little League, and you're stuck wearing, like, what? It goes up to, like, 14. Yeah, so you're it's a dress. Like number 14 and just swimming in the jersey. Yeah. Yeah, please, please get that fixed. I don't know. There's, I feel like there's just too many things I'm upset with with this season. I'm upset that John Henry's not spending money. I'm upset that the league ruined the uniforms, Nike, whatever. I'm upset about everything. I'm upset at how the Dodgers spend money. Like it's just, I miss the good old days where I remember like the commercials or as an MLB the show, whatever. It's like if it happens in Majestic, it happens in baseball. It was great. None of this fanatics and Nike stuff. It's terrible. Yeah, bring back Majestic. I miss them. Yeah, they did it right. Uh, Red Sox signed Liam Hendricks. We didn't get to touch on that yet. So anyone who doesn't know, Liam Hendricks is um, he's Australian. I feel like that's that's a big part of who he is because he talks like that. You know, he's <laughs> he's also a very good pitcher. The dude uh, known for being a closer for the White Sox, very good pitcher. Um, he's struggled with injuries and cancer and whatever, but he's what do you get? Tommy John is that why he's out right now? Yeah, yeah, so we yep. got Tommy John. So it's one of the classic Red Sox deals where they sign a guy and he's not actually going to pitch for them kind of thing. But it is a two-year deal. So he's going to be out with Tommy John. We could see him in August potentially. But either way, he'll be back for next year, which basically means Kenley Jansen is guaranteed gone. If it's not this year, it's next year because we have our closer next year. It's Liam Hendricks, not Kenley Jansen. So that's that. Kenley Jansen also, I don't know if you guys saw the quotes today, the dude just keeps talking about how miserable he is. The yeah. quote, <laughs> he just keeps coming out on podcasts and shows. What he said today was in the Boston Globe, the vision then, the vision now is totally different, but I can't question myself. There's frustration because you have other options, but I think playing in Boston, being in Fenway is special. And I always wanted to experience that. So I guess the Tom Warner, we're trying to sell the Fenway experience, works for Kenley Jansen. He's just there to experience Fenway. Um, I'm surprised he's still here, to be honest, with how aggressive the trade talks were, how it sounded like he's out the door 100%. He's still here. And I literally, I saw him warming up the other day, and I was like, oh, I forgot he's on the team still. I forgot that we had Kenley Jansen. And I think he's still here because they couldn't find someone who wanted to eat his contract. So there's that. Well, he's still here, still a member of the Boston Red Sox, whether he likes it or not. Well, it's inter- what I think is interesting about the Hendricks situation is that um, people seem pretty optimistic that he could be back by late July or early August, which lines up perfectly with the trade deadline. So I wonder if it's 
a situation where, you know, they don't ease Hendricks back into the closer role. They they literally throw him in there from day one and trade Kenley. Because it lines up. I wouldn't perfectly. do that personally. I wouldn't do it either. It's a bad idea, but they might do it. Yeah. It's a bad idea, so they probably will. Yeah. I still want Tanner Houck to be I the feel, closer. I feel bad for Kenley. I really do. Oh, yeah. The dude, I mean, he's looking at his former team, the Dodgers, to. and he's like, I wish I was there. Like, how? He's probably like, I messed up. <laughs> I should not be here. But it's also not his fault. The Red Sox did lie to him. Those quotes are real. They told him that they were going to be going for it in the second year of his deal. And he thought that he was signing with the team that was going to be competitive and he was going to be the closer at the back end of that team. So it's not his fault that he's in this situation. He was lied to just like we were. But that's the reality at the Red Sox right now. They just lie to us and don't give us anything. Sad. It's sad. Anything else uh, about the good old Red Sox? Have you guys seen, has Vaughn Grissom played in a game yet? I feel like I haven't seen him. No. So he like tweaked a hamstring or something. So he's going to be in the lineup on Saturday, I believe. Uh, Who else is injured? Costas is coming back this weekend as well. Duran is playing soon. And Duran is playing tomorrow on Friday. So Duran, Casas, and Grissom are all going to be back this weekend. All right, I think we're out of content here. I think it's time to wrap it up. Um, that'll do it for this week on the In the Dugout podcast. We'll be back um, a little deeper into spring training. We'll have some more developed storylines, some better looks at players, some more realistic lineups and games, um, and hopefully we'll be talking about the Jordan Montgomery signing. Hopefully. Probably not. Probably not. Nope. (laughs) Uh, Either way, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.